In the last episode, Lauren shared the story of how God pursued him when he wasn't pursuing God. And he talked about how God did that in some unexpected ways, from an impromptu, powerful prayer time at his uncle's when he was on the run, to experiencing the goodness and love and power and beauty of God when he was behind bars. When I met Lawrence a few years ago, he wasn't behind bars anymore. And in fact, he showed up to the church holding some books that carried the story of who God had been to him when he was behind bars. And I knew then something that I have continued to hear that Lawrence was serious about following God. In fact, anytime I hear somebody talk about Lawrence, they talk about that, how Lawrence just goes hard after God. But Lawrence will tell you that it's not about him. And that all he is doing is just trying to be obedient and humble. Which for him often means times of stepping back and reorienting himself towards God. Even if he's been doing a lot of great things, he knows it's not about the things, but it's about God. So today we hear some more of Lawrence's story. However, the last six months, God called him from one space to going even harder after him in spaces that were intimidating, that were scary, that were confusing, but where he saw God work in powerful, powerful ways. And his story is important because his story isn't that different from your story. Because you have things in your life that you could allow the enemy to make you think disqualify you. But what Lawrence shared with me is that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And if God is calling you to something, he's going to give you everything you need because he's already made you who he wants you to be. And so I'm excited for you to hear Lawrence's story, but I want you to be encouraged that what you hear is accessible to you because God is God, God is good, and he is at work in and around you today. You're listening to episode 42 of the Where Did You See God podcast. I think a lot of times we get so tripped up as brothers and sisters, as children of God. We get so tripped up on who we are and and forget whose we are. You know what I mean? That's big. I mean, we don't we don't understand just how much our understanding of our identity impacts everything. And even as you're talking, it's reminding me, you know, there's been some past episodes where even like this specific idea of being identified as, you know, ex-convict or something like that. Like Aisha has an episode where she shared that part of her journey where for so long that had imprisoned her, even though she wasn't imprisoned anymore because she felt like everyone saw her like that and that she then had to see her like that. But she landed the same place. She's like, I'm a daughter of God. Mm. That's who I am. And even like, you know, we have a mutual friend. Gerard, who he he shared an episode I released last summer, the same kind of thing of like learning how to see his identity, not in what he experienced or even who he was, but who God created him to be. And the hardest thing about identity is even when you realize that Mm. you can forget that so easily. And I mean, and we both know people who like have kind of like fallen back into past identities that is not who God had for them. And one of the things that kind of connected us recently is we both live in a country where identity is deeply tied to your employment. The first question is, what do you do? And both of us have had seasons of questionable employment, like not being there at all. (laughs) And so you, you recently, you know, this winter, you felt like God was giving you an invitation into something that the American culture wouldn't say was successful. Yeah. So tell me about that. Oh man, that was, I was actually working at the time. So that was a burden. (laughs) You know, I had like having steady flow of money. And, um, I remember when God told me, um, this all actually started at house church and everybody who was at house church at this time, I was working a carpentry job. Funny enough. Um, the guy I was working for, it happened to be a pastor at a different church. Mm. And so one day I had sat I had sat down for a second, and I came across the the Harriet uh, trailer for the yeah, Harriet Tubman movie, right? Yeah. And so I thought it was going. I didn't even know. I mean, I was literally looking for a sermon, and I was scrolling, 
I didn't know one that movie was gonna be anywhere as big as what it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an independent film or something. And two, um, I rarely be into all that stuff anyways. But so I had scrolled this thing and seen this 15 second preview and God had hit me. I mean, the Holy Spirit dropped a revelation in me of how the Harriet Tubman story can be translated easily into the gospel. I mean, clear as day and how this person got their freedom and yet was still incomplete and somehow realized that if if she didn't go set others free that were in, in bondage, that she would just be a slave to freedom herself. Mm. And, you know, this was a deep, deep revelation. I mean, huge for me because she could have sat on her freedom. And the Holy Spirit was just dealing with me with this thing. He was like, she could have sat on her freedom. And if she wouldn't, if she would have sat on her freedom, imagine the souls that wouldn't have been set free. Right. And imagine the platoon, the army that she led into battle. First woman in history to ever even mm-hmm. do it. And um, I'm not a big history fanatic. Nothing wrong with anybody who is. It's just not mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But the revelation that pumped through that thing, man, was just was just dealing with me. And then I realized, like, yo, we're all. Some of us are called to be spiritual Harriet Tubman's. Some of us are called to be to play parts in the spiritual underground railroad. You yeah. know, imagine if the people who believed in setting folks free, what if none of them had houses to host the underground railroad? Mm-hmm. It would be a different story. And so everybody had this part to play, but it's like the church is the underground railroad and mm. this spiritual Harriet Tubman thing of a calling. And so I got, you know, I shared it with House Church. Everybody was on. It was a great thing. Um, we put together, uh, this was funny. We had come up, my wife and I separately, it's the first time this ever happened. Hasn't happened yet since. I hope it's more coming. But God gave her a revelation and me a revelation and we weren't even around each other at the same time. The Holy Spirit told me that the gospel was meant to be primarily defensive, mm-hmm. not offensive. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with the offense, but if you're just sitting around waiting to get hit, different ball game than what the original actual gospel has been about from day one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God told me that, and then my wife strolled on in the room. She's like, hey, did you know the gospel's not meant to be, def- I mean, offensive? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And so... <laughs> Shared all this with House Church unanimously. Everybody was with it, and it was just, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And what ended up happening was, it's like, yeah, you know, like we should get together as, as you know, just as an assault squad. And my voice kind of chippered when I said assault, and somebody else in House Church was like, yeah, assault squad. I like the sound of that. <laughs> and it was like, I didn't say that, but that's great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh-huh. And so we started going out, and, you know, the Holy Spirit just started impressing on me to do concentrated ministry with it because there was just such a burden at the time and no disrespect to anybody, but I just was impressed that the harvest is plentiful and the labor is a few. The Holy Spirit just had a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, there were so many souls out there that um, hung in between the balance or that needed to be set free by him doing it. And so, you know, I tried to work it out to where I was working full time and ministering and that worked out great. There was nothing wrong with it at that time, but the Holy Spirit was like, there's, there's, it's too much right now. And he was like, I want you to take a break on working and I want you to work for me directly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, I see the fruit of that because there were times when that would require going out every day and being at a certain location for four hours or more every day, not leaving that one location. Something I could not have done if I was working full time. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, nothing wrong with work. Uh, I've been on both sides of the playing field where I've been working and ministering and, um, other side where it's just been concentrated ministry um, because the burden was too big. Yeah. You know, that's a step of faith because you got a, you got a family, you got a wife, you got a baby. Oh yeah. And you got a, again, an American culture that says you're the man, so you need to provide. Right, right. (laughs) And you're like, but I know what God's telling me to do. Yeah. (laughs) And I answer to him. So yeah, I, I don't know. And God's provided. Yeah. Yeah, uh, hands down. You know, through through brothers and sisters, through house church, um, and sometimes him directly doing it. This is probably a pivotal point because I started reading. Uh, I don't. I got this problem where I take a scripture and I see it to be literal, and so I take it literally, mm-hmm. like the Bible. <laughs> Some there's sometimes when I get scriptures and I don't like the sound of it, so I'll try to, I'll try to write it off as metaphorically, but mm-hmm. I know what it's saying. You know. Yeah. You know, I've seen it more than once in the four accounts of the gospel where Jesus went to the wilderness to pray or he went to the mountain to pray. And so I started doing that. I mean, I literally started going to state parks, wilderness, you know, no protection, just me 
and the Holy Spirit, which scares the mess. It scared me a lot. Mm-hmm. Because everything is fine and dandy until I see that bare warning sign. Mm-hmm. Then the world changes, you know. So <laughs> uh, shout out to to Tyler who got me my first can of bear spray. Nice. But you know, so I had, you know, financial things were uh caving in. I remember one time I almost had a panic attack off of it. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, the Holy Spirit told me he was like, son, it's 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 mammon. And you know, I thought mammon was a concept. I didn't know. Um, that in the actual Satanist culture and a lot of um, ungodly uh, religions, demonic religions and Satanists and all of that, they actually, mammon is actually a demonic entity that really is existent. Uh, and so in other words, he has no power like any anything else in the kingdom of darkness. But um, that was a thing I struggled in war with. And I went to this wilderness one day. I think I went to Powhatan State Park or something. Mm-hmm. And I just prayed, for, I mean, I just prayed fervently for a chunk of time. And said, Lord, I need you to show me. I mean, no different than the prayer when I was in the jail cell. I need you to show me. I have to have an intervention from you. I know what your word says. I know I know that I can come up with 20 scriptures on either side of the fence, whether uh-huh. I should not work or whether <laughs> I should work. I'm like, I need you to slice the pie to make the difference. At that time, we were feeding folks out of our lack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have any money um, at the point in time. And you know that the living space was taken was taken care of. A shout out, my brother and sister Derek and Christy. Mm. You know they they were holding us down. But as far as even the feeding part, like we didn't have any food left to really feed, but God was still saying, "Go out there and feed them." And I'm like, "Look, I don't know that prayer you said over the couple of fish and loaves to feed multiple." And I ain't get that one yet. So mm-hmm. I need your help. And um, man, I happened to pray, and until the Holy Spirit says stop which I love the acronym PUSH, because PUSH acronyms uh, pray until something happens. Mm-hmm. So I prayed until something happened. The Holy Spirit said, stop. He said, go back to the city of Richmond. And he said, it's an answer prayer. I get back into the city. Within minutes of getting into the city, probably about 10 minutes or so, I got a phone call from somebody that I rarely talked to at that point in time that I had met 12 years ago while being locked up, actually. Mm. 12 years ago. Got a phone call from him. He said, hey, man, what you doing right now? I said, doing nothing. Who is this? You know, I didn't even know who it was. <laughs> he was like, it's so-and-so. Okay, man, good to, you know, catch up. He said, whatever you're doing, I need you to drop everything and come to me right now. Come to this address. So I'm like, hold on real quick. Like, Lord, you know, what is this about? And the Lord said, answer prayers what it's mm-hmm. about. He said, go He said, go to the address as fast as you can get there. Man, I got to that address. And mind you, I didn't share this with nobody of what I was feeling and what I was going to go pray for. Mm-hmm. This was between me and God. And when I showed up, there was some organization I had never even heard of. And they said, oh, another person. They said, we're so glad you're here. They say, look, <laughs> we got to liquidate everything that we have. And we need everything as much as you can fit in your vehicle. She said, fill, your, fill the floor of your car, fill the back seats, fill the baby seat, fill the trunk, fill the passenger seat. Fill it all to the roof and even fill your own lap with as much food as you could take mm. out of there. I ended up taking out over about over twelve hundred dollars worth of food. Gosh. Um a brand new pair of $180 Nikes, whew, which was a, a prayer answered for my wife, because I had some uh some crazy shoes at that time, some orthopedic shoes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I called them. These are those because the kids would walk around and say, What are those? You know, <laughs> these, these are those. These are those. So you know, got uh, got some new $180 shoes on my feet. And, um, yeah, God has supernaturally answered that thing. That right there was the hook, line, and sinker. Okay, he is in this. He's validating this with a sign, with signs and wonders. And, mm-hmm. all right, I'm in it until until he says the next step. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love the, um, man, the, the analogy, the, the, that phrase, spiritual underground railroad, and the kind of just the visual of that, because I think you're right, like, I, I I affirm what you were saying about how like you know how God's calling you and you're not saying that's a mandate for everyone yeah, no. because God's going to call people where and how like he wants to. And it just happened to be your call was to step away from like a solid paycheck to give all your time to him. And when you look at Harriet Tubman's story, which it was, that was a solid movie. Yeah. You know, the underground railroad worked because you had different, roles within that you had the guy who was in the free area who was safe behind the desk and he was doing important work yeah but he wasn't at risk and that was fine then you had people who lived in their homes who most of the year they might be fine and safe going about their daily lives but they were ready if someone came to their door 
they were ready to serve. Mm. And then you had those like Harriet who are like, God's called me to be in it and to risk everything. And that, and that was good. And you needed all those roles because if Harriet, like you said, hadn't had those safe homes that looked normal. Oh yeah. She'd have been first told. You know? Yeah. And so I think in the same way, you know, there are so many people that God loves that he is calling the church to show his love to. Mm. And you're going to have those that maybe, you know, like uh, someone who works at the church that may be in that church building and that might be the primary place they serve. You have people that are in their homes living their everyday lives, but they're ready if someone knocks on their door. Yeah. And then there are going to be folks like you who, like, you're like, I don't know. God said to go. I don't know where I'm going half the time, but I'm just going to go where he said to go. Yeah. And like, man, and just her story specifically of, you know, the movie does a great job of showing how she tried to let her steps be guided by what God would show her. And here's the thing. And this is the kicker is everybody opposed her Mm. everybody opposed her and there are people that thought she was crazy that what she said was god was actually brain damage Mm. and the people that were opposing her were not just the people who wanted to protect slavery but was also family who were like you need to stop yeah you're gonna put yourself at risk you're putting us at risk yeah and was even like the guy who was helping to run the underground railroad was like you can't go out there (laughs) you can't do that yeah and yeah. there are moments where she had to choose if following God meant everyone else was against her, she was going to follow God. Yeah. And what she knew, or maybe she didn't know, but like in her heart, I think she knew is that in following God, you know, all things, you know, God works for the good. You know, by the end of the movie, you begin to see people who doubted and questioned her see God must have been working. Right. And you're starting to experience that too. Man, one of the things I love about our connection and just what whatever God's doing here. Cause I think we're just at the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Sir. But, um, you know, there was one night where I was, I was going to be painting a bathroom and I was going to be by myself for an hour or two. And Lawrence and I had wanted to get together for weeks and it just didn't work out. This was during outreach. And so like my time wasn't my own. And, but at this specific moment, he popped in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be stuck in a bathroom. You know, maybe he's not doing anything. Yeah. And so I sent him a text and it just happened to be that whole day he had been like stuck in the house and he finally suddenly got this urge to leave the house and his wife's like, where are you going? He's like, I don't know. Yep. And then he's grabbing the keys and then text suddenly Paul. this text goes through. <laughs> yep. He's like, oh, I guess I'm going to Paul's. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about that night was just, you know, God has put on both of our hearts, not just the city of Richmond, but our neighbors who are so often overlooked, yeah, judged, misrepresented, you have spent hours on end giving of yourself to people that other people don't want anything to do with. And you've seen God work through that. So like, man, just tell me at least one story of how by being willing to step into those spaces, God showed his power in a way that you're like, man, that was God. Hmm. Let's see one story. One story, one you story. You could do two if you want. <laughs> I was just trying to, it's so many of them. It's so man, many I, of them. I had to write reports of this stuff because I still had that same uh-huh. journal mentality. Like, yo, God is doing so much stuff. I got to write this stuff down. Yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to say this one and and because I believe this was probably the most important one from heaven, for heaven to be throwing a party about. Now, mind you, I've seen, you know, um, demonic manifestations. I mean, full on crazy mm-hmm. stuff like at Target. While jean shopping at in White Oak, not like in crazy places, <laughs> but normal places, and um, you know God healing people physically and all of that. But one story, one account that that was the most amazing thing because it was something I never even thought of or whatever was um, one day while having all that food. Um, it happened to be <laughs> there were certain foods that um, a lot of the community in Camp Kathy, some of them were diabetic, and the Lord said, "Don't take this stuff down to them." Because somebody's going to hurt themselves. Mm. And real this. quick, for yeah. those that don't know, Camp Kathy is Tent City, the homeless overflow shelter thing that's across street from the jail. So, um, big place. A lot of things going on right yeah. now. That place. Um, but yeah. So, you know, the Holy Spirit said, "Don't go that way this time with this stuff." He said, "You know, go somewhere else." So I'm like, "All right, where to go?" Um, I end up being at Mechanicsville Turnpike. Actually, was somebody had gotten uh, somebody got shot. Inside the store, across the street from there, where I was at. Mm. Um, so you know, not a, not a place of, of your your safest. You know, nowhere safe, anyways. But you know, this was in the projects, or you know, right across the street from Mosby on the other yeah, side. Yeah, 
And so, um, you know, I got there and I happened to pull up and there was a guy eating, the, I, I probably had like $300 worth of food or something. And, you know, there was a guy eating a cup of, of ramen noodles, um, just sitting there when I pulled up and it's like, Hey man, um, you know, Jesus has something way better for you than that cup of noodles. Mm. <laughs> Come on over. So, uh, you know, people started flocking everywhere. I mean, it was like 30 people outside. Everybody got satisfied. Everybody got mm. whatever their pockets could fill and their hands could hold. And then, you know, in the middle of it, I'm like, well, might as well get it, you know, get it started. You know, does anybody want prayer? Anybody want to, you know, talk about anything, mm. all that? Uh, one guy, you know, I prayed for him because he was like, yeah, let me get a prayer. And man, it was this young guy. I mean, 20 something, probably no taller than like five two, like a little young guy. And he had his food and stuff in his hand and he had doubled back and he had overheard me. I think when he heard me say the prayer thing, if anybody wanted prayer, he came back around. Mm -hmm. And when I got finished praying for the one guy, he stepped up and he said, man, if you ain't came out here for nobody, but one person, that one person is me today. Mm. You know, unchurched person, don't know divine appointment language, none of that. Right. So I was like, well, let's let's talk, man. And so we ended up talking and, you know, he was genuinely at 20 something as a young guy was just tired of life. And he's like, man, I'm tired of my homeboys like snaking me for a, a single cigarette or leaving me in the cold and they got somewhere to stay. And I didn't, you know, I didn't got some money and split it with him. And right mm -hmm. after that, they turn around and say, you're on your own. And they left him in the streets in the cold. He's homeless. Mm -hmm. I shared with him the gospel and what that looks like in my life and what it looks like, most importantly, from the Bible and what it's going to look like in his life. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, that stuff don't never happen to me. He was like, oh, man, I, w I would love a life like that. He said, you know what? He said, all I got to do is accept Jesus and my life will be different. I'm like, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, I want to give my life to the Lord. All right, now once this happens, I'm about to say this prayer to lead him to Jesus um, and to bring Jesus to him, just play the middleman, you know, nothing important. But mm -hmm. Holy Spirit stops me because <laughs> he had prior to, while he was getting his food, somebody pulled up in a nice car with loud glaring music and all that and uh, made one call and four young guys went over to his car, which he was one of the young guys. They all sat in the car for two minutes and then they all got out at the same time and he drove off you know you don't you don't need spiritual discernment to see it was a drug deal yeah <laughs> that happened yeah. and so the holy spirit says stop he said do not pray for him and tell him that he needs to choose between what is in his pocket or me mm -hmm. now this is uncomfortable for me because i don't know if little dude got a gun i don't know what you know this might not go the right way um mm -hmm. You know, that thing still is acceptable to happen. They talked about in the Bible, what do you call it? Persecution, suffering, something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, hey, man, I just want to, I need to talk to you real quick. It was like, I need you to, um, man, I believe the Lord is saying this. And I'm like, if you don't, however you respond to this, it's fine. I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still respect you. And we can still talk. I said, but I cannot lead you to Jesus until this question is, until you answer this one. And he said, anything. Said the Holy Spirit said that you have to choose between a life with him or a life with what you bought that's in your pocket. And so he said, Man, don't do that to me. He said, Don't please don't do this to me right now. And I'm like, I'm not doing it, bro. Like it ain't <laughs> me doing it. And he said, Man, he said, you know, and, and come to find out it was crack. He smoked crack. Mm -hmm. You know, you would never tell. Um, but he had crack cocaine, not to sell, but to smoke. And um, you know, he pulled it out of his pocket. We on mechanics of a turnpike. He pulled it out of his pocket like we ain't in public. And he was like, he was like, man, you have no idea what I had to do, what I had to go through for four days just to get this one crack rock. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that I need to get rid of it to give my life to Jesus. And I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And so he stops for a minute, you know, a couple minutes go by and he reasons and he's, you know, thinking to himself. And then he's like, man, can I at least sell the junk and get my money back or something? You know, I'm like, <laughs> no, man, you... That has the stamp of the enemy on it, man. Um, I was like, it's either God. I said, and I don't have the money to even give you. I can't put a dollar to your pocket to say that it's going to be okay right now, right here and now. He th I said, but I can guarantee you that Jesus is going to be with you stronger than ever from this day forward should you make this choice. Mm -hmm. you know. And so you know, he looks at the, he looks at the crack cocaine rock, you know, looks off to the distance, thinks about it, looks back at the crack cocaine rock. Pulls it out the package, throws it on the ground into a puddle of water, kicks it out the puddle of water, steps on it, and smears it across the parking lot concrete mm -hmm. to where nobody could pick it up, not even he himself. Mm -hmm. And said, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had never seen a radical conversion like that 
where where someone has uh, seemingly nothing to gain, he had to have believed in what the word of God was saying, that his life could be different. Mm -hmm. Because he had nothing other than what the unsaved folks would call just words on paper, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, that was probably the most impactful thing I've seen Jesus do. One of the most impactful things that far outweighed everything else. Um, because that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Some powerful stuff, man. And it happened not because you had just, you know, gotten a, a 50C3 license for your new ministry <laughs> to go out to those that are, you know, smoking crack. Like this happened because, you were just taking steps of obedience. I mean, you were just trying to seek God, and God gave you a bunch of food, and then God told you, don't go where you normally go, and God, yeah. like, you're, and I love how you put it, you know, when it came down to the prayer, I mean, that's a mark of pride, has been a mark of pride for the American Christian Church, is I led somebody to Christ. Like, I led them to say the prayer, and, and not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but but I think the heart of it that you captured is where there is real power that you're like, I was just the middleman. It was nothing that I did special. Like yeah. God had pursued this person and they were ready and God is the one who saves. I just happened to be the one to connect the two together. <laughs> See, it's almost like you got a, like a female cousin you always grew up with, you know, you, uh, you know, you always picked on her and you never could stand her and she's annoying, you're an annoying cousin. And, <laughs> and you got your best friend and they never seen each other with your best friend sees her one day. It's like, man, who is that? Like, man, it's just my snot-nosed cousin, you know, <laughs> can't stand her, even to this day. And, you know, he was, but he sees everything, you know, he sees fireworks and stars. And he's just like, man, would you mind if I talk to your, your female cousin? I'm like, man, I don't care. I don't, you know. <laughs> and then it gets to the point where he's like, man, I'll tell you what. He was like, put a good word in for me. Like, man, come on, man. Let's play ball. You tripping, you know. <laughs> then it gets to the point where he's like, man, look, just get me in the same room with her. Mm -hmm. And then once you, you're like, all right, man, gosh, good gracious. And then you get them in the same room and he sees her with stars and fireworks. She sees him with stars and fireworks. And then they hit it off. And next thing you know, you realize you're placing it because they completely ignored you you, <laughs> you just the middleman you know uh, god is like uh, that best friend who's like man just just get me in the same room with mm -hmm. him. you know that's that's all that's all we're <laughs> yeah called to do is to just get him in the same room with who yep. he has a crush on yeah that's it yeah nothing special you know a question that's sitting in my mind right now is god has invited you to love those of his children who a number of them don't have shelters to go to most nights and mm -hmm. a number of them, you know, wrestle with some form of addiction. And that's who you know that God is like, the, you know, that just keeps on being who God brings into your path. And so what is it you just long for people to know about those children of God? Mm. That they are just as human and as, as fallible as anybody else. They are really no different. One time, there was a brother who said, um, we went for outreach a couple of times, if you want to call it outreach. And a couple of people have told me, I've heard this a couple of times, like, man, I can't relate to them. And I'm like, have you ever, like, they they see that they haven't struggled with drugs. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, I can't relate. And I, they haven't been to prison. And so they're like, well, I can't relate. That is erroneous. That's off. Like, how so? Well, have you ever lied before? Yeah, well, you can relate. You know, <laughs> have you ever cheated before? Uh, yeah, you can relate. Uh, so these things are there. There really is no difference. The exterior looks different. The mm -hmm. interior is all the same. There's so much bondage going on nowadays with with folks who are struggling with different things. And you know, a struggle is if I see anybody with a struggle, be it saved or not saved, hey, I'm all for that because struggle means that you're showing. There's sign of a fight there. There's mm -hmm. a, there's signs of fighting, and t there's just a tug of war happening. Yeah, and you know we're called to jump on the rope and and help you know pull this thing and win. It gets them to freedom, man. Mm -hmm. It's not um, the more I come across people and the more I'm available, I see that that souls are all the same. That we're comprised of the same things, no matter what it looks like on the exterior. Whether that's a guy with his full tattoos is all on his face, or whether that's a a person behind the cash register at Kroger's mm -hmm. that, that looks like they got it all together. Yeah. Um, it is all one and the same in mm -hmm. God's eyes. And so it should be all one and the same in our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a tendency 
especially in the American church of seeing problems and not seeing people. Mm. We identify people with like what we decide is wrong with them yeah. rather than seeing people as God sees them. And yeah, that can lead somebody to feel justified in saying, well, I can't relate, but like Jesus showed love to and interacted with lepers. He never had leprosy. Right. He showed love to and interacted with tax collectors. He never cheated people out of their money. Mm. Showed love to and interacted with the woman at the well. And you know, we could keep on going down the list yeah. of people that Jesus couldn't relate to in the way that we make a limitation for us. Right. But he knew God loved them, and he knew that he was going to do what his father was going to do, so he was going to love them. And like that's been something that's been striking me because like, I've also found... And I still don't understand it, but I've also found the people that God is putting in my path to be an outlet for his love. A number of them have wrestled with addiction and I, yeah. I've i never like that's not been my journey. Like I've right. never done drugs like and sometimes I'm like, why in the world am I like I one of my during this time of social distancing, one of my friends who's visited me the most has been someone who like he he wrestles with heroin. And yeah, yeah. And there are times like he'll just come to the porch just to talk and pray. And I'll come inside and, and sit with Beck and I'm like, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know why God brought our past together, but I can say without a doubt that this was God. Like yeah. from, from the very beginning, God orchestrated this friendship and to this day, these interactions. And I don't have to have experienced heroin addiction yeah, to be no. able to love someone who that is the thing that they're wrestling through. Right. Because like you're saying, it's not about that. It's about we've been created by a loving God. We're made in the image of a loving God. He right. has called us to love each other. That is one of the two commandments. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Like that's those are the parameters. Just go and love. But yeah, I man, if people did that, if people actually follow the Bible more in that way, actually kept that commandment, we'd be in a very different situation. Like both of us are right now like, our hearts are heavy because, you know, Lawrence mentioned Cap Cathy, which, again, is a, a tent city that was erected because, you know, the homeless rate in Richmond has been increasing. Yeah. The resources for those who are um, that don't have consistent shelter, like those resources just aren't always there, aren't always available. You might not meet the requirements. And so Camp Cathy came about because there is, you know, a body of people that recognized, hey, like, let's just create a safe community. And so, and I'm yeah. talking like, you know, when we say tent city, it's not just tents sprawled all over the place. I mean, these tents were numbered and in yeah. rows. There <laughs> yep. were like expectations around like what does and doesn't happen here. Oh, yeah. There is a, like a genuine loving community that was built. And there is a body of people that like Lawrence who were consistently there so that if somebody needed food or somebody needed a ride to a job thing, or if they needed a ride to, you know, an AA or NA group, or it was just a, a real community yeah. and our hearts broken because, you know, the community has been in the news for the last couple months, but there have been people that have not wanted it to be there, um, whether for right or wrong reasons. Yeah. And, uh, have there been people that have been working to get it removed again for right or wrong reasons. And last night, they had one of those like garbage crane trucks mm. grabbing and mangling up tents and throwing them in and, and, and people are being sent away and some are getting an opportunity to go to a hotel, uh, yeah. but it's only yeah. for two weeks and many of them don't actually understand what is being provided for them. They're being told maybe they'll get meals, but they don't know. They're not sure what happens after the two weeks. Are they back on the streets? What happens to this community they built? And so there's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are scared right now. Um, a lot of our neighbors are wrestling with anxiety. And and it's heartbreaking because, you know, what we know is those are children of God made in the image of God yeah. who feel like they have been betrayed and neglected. So I'm going to be heading down there today actually to find out what's up with, you know, the feeding schedule and everything. Um, a small piece of encouragement. I got a call from somebody. Now, this was funny because my wife was right beside me when I picked the phone up from mm -hmm. an unknown number. Somebody said, hey, Pastor Lawrence. Once that happened, my wife was like, who's calling you, Pastor? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I promise. You know, I don't know who this is. It was a guy, a young guy, who had given his life to the Lord. He had a facial, he had something wrong with his face, like a lot, like a big breakout thing in mm -hmm. his face. When when God called me to be that middleman to talk to him, 
and then the Lord told me some things to say to him, and he responded. Um, he ended up giving his life to the Lord, and it was just really weird because while I was praying for him, I had a vision of angels doing a, a pit stop on him. Mm. Um, you know, like NASCAR do the pit stop mm -hmm. and pull over. I just seen like I felt like it was just multiple angels just doing just touching him in different ways and different avenues and stuff. It was weird. His face. I mean, his he had a big outbreak on his face, like surrounding his mouth, nose, all of like both of his eyes. You know, almost like an outline, and everything inside of it was like scarred and white. It was pretty bad. And when an hour after him giving his life to the Lord, it started clearing up. And mm. the next day when I saw him, it was gone. Wow. I rarely seen him after that. I mean, his life took off after that. Uh, every, mm. He was gone from the camp every day and he was getting stuff accomplished, had his license, had a bunch of things that seemed to be blockage in his life started flowing. And as much so that I couldn't keep up with him. He called me two days ago. He was like, man, they, they blessed me with an apartment, man. Mm. And there's the, the light moments and the darkness moments. And, yeah. you know, darkness ain't going to take a day off just because somebody went into the light. Yeah. So we still got work to do. Yeah. One last question, unless God puts more things on your heart. You know, you have recently been in a, in a place where you've tried to be attentive to invitations God's given you. And you've experienced, you know, doing the salt squad, yeah. you know, while you were working. And also experience God calling you to take some pretty bold steps of faith. And right now we've got, you know, a lot of people in our city and around the world, but, you know, in our city that are feeling God tug at their heart around this issue of homelessness, specifically around Camp Kathy and, you know, trying to figure out how to respond. And then around the world, we have people feeling this tug to love others in the midst of what is a scary time, a hard time, a frustrating time, a time of unknowns. So what is your advice to someone who is at a place now that they are willing to ask God how he would want them to serve and are trying to figure out how to take that step? Hmm. I would probably offer the same advice that I got to go through every day. Since official concentrated ministry started, since the SALT squad some people might not notice I'm equally as nervous every day I'm stepping out. <laughs> there is no, you don't get over that. It's uh -huh. not, that's not a thing. You get, if you do get over it, you should be concerned because you might be prideful. Mm. Um, but, you know, you never get over that. And um, I would say the advice um, that I would give would be to, if you believe God's saying it, submit it to prayer. If you got a spouse, submit it to your spouse and let them be in prayer with you and just hear what God is saying. You know, don't pay attention to what it looks like because what happens, I used to be one of these people who instead of just believing what I'm reading in the Bible, I would have a tendency to read what I believed. Mm -hmm. I would only pick and choose on the things that matched up with what I truly felt and I would I would beef that up with scripture as opposed to what is what is the word saying in the entirety on this subject and what is God actually saying about this subject? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the spirit saying? You know, don't pay attention to what it looks like because it's going to look scary, uncomfortable, crazy, 10 times out of 10. It ain't been one thing yet that made that looked safe or that seemed like a good move. All of it seems crazy, especially before you take that step. But, you know, if God is saying the same thing, if you don't hear no, then it's a yes. A lot of times he ain't going to give you the answer to something if it's already written in the book, just to throw that out there. <laughs> take it one step at a time in the name of Jesus and he'll take the rest of the steps. And, you know, be encouraged, regardless of whether it's the homeless shelter, regardless of whether God is calling you to put up flyers, Christian flyers at a time like that, regardless of what it is. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that what God wants us to do is to be encouraged. We are the cure to life's problems because we possess the cure inside of us. Jesus is inside of us. And what doctor would you know right now? Let's say a doctor had the cure to this coronavirus 19 thing. And let's say they went on a cruise ship. Let's say they gave this up the cure. And then they go on a cruise ship, and the whole cruise ship is sick with mm. coronavirus. Um, but he's immune to it because he has the cure. And on top of that, he has a suitcase full of the cure in his suitcase. Mm -hmm. What doctor do you know that would um, go on about his merry way and join his cruise while everybody's dying around him? And he has the cure yeah. to give it to him. And I'm not saying to say that to be unwise or to jump out there and be an extremist. But I am saying that in any capacity, whether that's you going to the store and, you know, you're getting supplies for your family and for your household. 
check on the person that's on the other side of the register if God leads you to it. You know, you never know what God is up to. And he's bigger than the streets. And, you know, he's working in hearts all over the world right now. And so how much more is he working equally as so in this city? Yeah. You know, so, um, yep, that would be my, my little one and a half cents. That's good. Anything else in your heart that you, you want to share? Um, I just want to say I appreciate you, man. There's been lately some steps. I won't mention it on this microphone thing, but there's been some steps that um I've been seeing you take. You know, God is um forwarding you, man, and mm-hmm. just want to say I appreciate you uh, listening to him because when you when you're listening to him, I can sometimes I can eavesdrop on that just because I see how you're moving <laughs> and what you're saying. Um, and not just me, uh-huh. but other other brothers are. Are seeing the same thing, and so just want to encourage you, man. To just yeah. brother Paul, keep on doing what you're doing, man, because it the fruit of it speaks for itself. And mm. when you know the greatest fruit of the market ain't the one you ain't never seen big signs that say grapes, 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 you know, with big announcement poster boards and mm-hmm. all of that. No, people just will see your fruit and just pick yeah. it, you know. So just I appreciate that. You, man. And I appreciate, it. especially today. I was just telling Becca. You know, I just woke up with this feeling of, you know, what am I even doing? What what good, like, am I even doing what I'm supposed to Like, just all these, you know, all the questions. And, oh, yeah. You know, I echo what you said earlier about, yeah, that, that feeling of nervousness, like, never goes away. <laughs> like Never. Like, I, I, yeah, every day it's like, man, who am I to be the one that God is sending? Every day I have to remind myself, all right, what is it that I feel like God's saying? What do I feel like he's calling me to? What is that next step, even if it's in the fog? Yeah. And I'm just, I'm going to take it and I'm just going to trust. Like even recording this, man, like every time I'm nervous, yeah. like I'm like, <laughs> man, who's even going to want to listen to or who am I to, you know, or like, should I even be doing it? And like, mm. it's like all right, but you know what? I'm going to follow the little nudge I feel like God's saying and I'm just going to do it and see That's what it. happens. That's so all that matter. I'm excited because I do feel like there's, I mean, there's always a move of God, but I, along with, you know, you and many others feel like, God is up to something big in Richmond. Yeah. And I'm seeing a number of people. I mean, you you constantly come to my mind, but I'm seeing a number of people that I feel like God is positioning. Yeah. And we don't even yeah. know what he's positioning us for. Right. <laughs> but I'm I'm just excited to see whatever God has up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, somebody expressed this, I mean, literally probably 30 minutes ago, um, saying, man, I just feel this hunger to serve, and I don't know what to do or where to go, but this thing is eating at me. And so, yeah, like brothers and sisters are feeling this way in, at, a, at a crucial moment mm-hmm. uh, where we are at in, you know, history. It's always been something in history, one thing after another. But um, the church in specific right now, it's just a lot of things that are changing all over the planet. And then once this is finished, that are going to change because of it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where that's going to go. But, you know, God is faithful. Apparently, we all got something to do on this planet because we we still breathing. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he's doing also. Yeah. Um cuz he's he's always man, it's he's always doing something. It's like he is the author and the finisher of everything. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Uh-huh. You know, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm getting this sense that the the way to end this is to have you pray us out. I don't even know what for, but you game for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um Oh Lord, we just uh we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we're able to talk about you. Um, and even more than talk about you, we thank you for the way we're able to talk to you and hear from you. Um, so, Holy Spirit, we just appreciate you. We just offer up um, all, of our, all of our prayers, our wants, our needs, um, and the most important thing, to draw near to you that you might draw near to us. At such a time like this especially, we just thank you, um, because we're being in a place, the whole world in its entirety is being in a place where we're finding out where each one of us is actually at and what we actually are made of. And so um, we pray against this spirit of fear. We just thank you that um, you know what's going to happen and that you're still on the throne. You're still in control regardless of um, what anybody else is saying. We thank you that we are your body. Uh, we thank you that not everybody is the same. Um, but even if we're at the lowest point, even if I'm called to be the pinky toe um, mm. on the body of Christ, I'm still stepping on the devil's head. And so there is no condemnation to those of us that are in you and we are in you. Um, so I just thank you. I pray that whoever's hearing this, that you would just touch them and bless them, that you would just um, show them who you've called them to be. And most importantly, whose you've called them to be. Let us see that we are sons and daughters of you 
that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And that doesn't mean that the weapon won't be formed, but it means it won't prosper. And that when the enemy raises itself up, that like a flood, you, Lord Jesus, you'll stop what you want to stop, that you'll set a standard in Jesus' name. And so, um, yeah, we just thank you. We pray that you'll cover and guide our thoughts. Anybody listening to this, I pray that you will increase their voice um, into the throne room of heaven and also increase them being able to hear you even more. Give them more dreams and visions of you. Let them see you in this entirety of the plan that you have set forth um, from the beginning of time and before the foundations of the, uh, of the earth, even to right now, this very day, this very hour, this very minute, and this very second. So we just thank you. Um, because, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't know the plan. The only important part is that we know the planner. Um, and, you know, as we read your word, the only important part is that even in so much as reading it, that we learn the author. And you are the author and finisher um, of our faith, our lives, um, our sufferings, our pains. Um, and you are the ending of this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You The important thing to catch about Lawrence's story is it's not Lawrence's story. It's God's story. And Lawrence will tell you this, whether it's him telling you stuff or it's his book, it's not his story. And that's important because if you think this is Lawrence's story, then you're going to limit what this means for your life. Because your story is different than Lawrence's story. You might not have had the same childhood experience. You might not have been locked up. You might never have encountered a heroin addict. And if it's Lawrence's story, then you might be able to take bits and pieces and apply them to your life, but you might end up discarding the rest as just a nice thing that you heard. But if this is God's story, and if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if the same God that Lawrence knows is the same God that you know, then there's a lot more to his story that can apply to you. His moments of breaking can speak to your moments of breaking or moments of breaking that God is inviting you to embrace. His moments of humility and seeing God work in power can mean that moments of humility for you can lead to moments of God showing his power. The details of Lawrence's story will look different than yours, but the God in his story is going to be the same. The same God that saved him when he wasn't pursuing him, the same God that was with him when he was behind bars, the same God that made transformational changes, not just in his life, but in the lives of those that God invited him to encounter, is the same God that is inviting you today to seek him. And what I know about Lawrence is he doesn't want to just settle. <laughs> he wants to know God deeply and walk towards him. And he's serious about it. He will lock himself up in the house for days with nothing but a Bible and prayer because he wants nothing more than God. Lawrence wants to know who God created him to be, and he wants to be that person. He wants to know what God's inviting him to, and he wants to run all in into that space. And that's the invitation to you today. First, if you haven't done it before, simply ask God, God, what is my original design? Who did you create me to be? If you want to know more about that, there's an episode in season two about it. Give it a listen and then sit and pray. But God wants to tell you more about who he made you to be. He might do it over time because what he's put inside you is more than you can expect and more than you can actually handle in one sitting. Ask God who he's made you to be. And then second, take some time and space to ask God where he wants you to step. And, and here's the thing. We get caught on that step being about what we're stepping onto or what we're stepping towards. But that's not even what God's talking about. Sometimes God asks us to step and we can't even see anything for our foot to land on. Because it's not about what we're stepping on, but who we're stepping towards. And right now, God wants you to step towards him. And it might look very different than what you'd expect. For many of you, there's an opportunity here. Many of you are finding yourself stuck at home more than you're used to with more time on your hands than you ever expected. And there is an opportunity to sit with God that you might not have ever had before. And so I want to challenge you, if you have that, take advantage of it. Some of you might be stuck at home with others, with kids, 
do not get distracted by how that limits your ability to connect with God because you can connect with God with whatever circumstances he's placed you in. You can connect with God and ask these questions even if kids are screaming in the background. I've had to learn that, (laughs) how to spend time with God when I've got a baby crawling on me and I got other kids fighting because you don't need perfect circumstances to get with God because God is already with you. So take advantage of that time. Now, there are some of you that might not even be listening to this anywhere near when it was recorded because you are having to work harder. You're not in your house. You are out and you are serving. And to you, I say thank you. Thank you for the ways that you are serving right now. Thank you for the ways that you are giving of yourselves. Thank you for putting yourselves in harder situations than you might have ever wanted to do. God sees that. God sees that sacrifice. So thank you. You know, God is God and God is good. Whatever your circumstances. Whether you have more time than you know what to do with or less time than you've ever had in your life. God is God. God is good. God is present. God is active. And God wants to speak to you today. He wants to invite you into something today. And it is not about your capacity or your awareness. It is about your willingness to step in obedience. Lawrence took those steps both in ways that he knew and ways that he felt ill-equipped. But in both cases, God showed himself. And he wants to show himself to you. So as you take those steps, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?